Welcome to PE Talks Africa, the African Private Equity and Venture Capital Association's podcast. In this series, industry leaders will share their views on the investment landscape in Africa and will discuss latest trends covering fundraising, deal making, value creation and exits across private equity, credit and venture capital. In the 10th episode, Grant Brook, Executive Director at Twiga Foods, Mauricio Cayo, founder and managing partner at TLCOM, Kenfield Griffith, Chief Executive Officer at M-Survey, and Robert Segers, Chief Investment Officer at the African Development Bank, delve into the venture capital investors seeding tomorrow's titans. This panel on venture capital driving innovation in Africa is moderated by Baba Alocolaro, managing partner at TMP. The session was recorded at the 16th annual AFCA conference in Nairobi in April 2019. Um, I'm Baba Alokolaro of TMP, a law firm based out of Lagos, uh, uniquely placed in advising on a number of private equity deals. Um, we found generally um, from the markets where I operate, that VC funding and PE funding has greatly helped in driving innovation in our market. And we're here this afternoon to discuss how VC funding is driving innovation in Africa. Um, strangely enough, I seem to be the only one from West Africa here, and I'm standing to the west side of, I'm sitting to the west side of Africa on this panel, and everybody else seems to be from the east. I'm sorry? Half and half. Mauricio says it's half and half. So I'm going to ask my panelists to please introduce themselves, uh, starting with uh, Maurizio Cayo from my immediate right. Thank you. Um, so we're uh, TLCOM Capital. We're a venture capital fund. Uh, we've been doing this for about 20 years, but only in the last uh, eight or nine years uh, expanding to Africa. We are in uh, Nairobi, uh, myself and my colleague Andreata there. Uh, we have uh, a partner in Lagos uh, and one in London. Uh, and we do uh, different stages of venture capital uh, from seed to series BC. And uh, uh, the, um, I, I think there's no particular sector except we like to invest in companies that use technology uh, to fundamentally attack and solve large problems in African markets. Uh, okay, uh, thank you very much. My name is Robert Zegers. I work with the African Development Bank. Uh, we, uh, we have an, uh, engagement, a strong engagement, in, we are by the way in Western Africa, uh, but we cover the African markets overall. Uh, so we, we have a strong engagement in the private equity, uh, broadly speaking, in, in, in the funding sector in, in Africa, but increasingly also in the venture capital space, uh, which is a new, sector, new asset class in Africa, uh, and also in social impact funds and impact funds increasingly. Uh, and that's what we're focusing on, to try to, uh, to assist a number of fund managers in that area. Hi, I'm Grant Brook. Um, I'm from Twiga. Uh, until Friday, I was the CEO of Twiga. Now, uh, <laughs> Peter and John Joe, who was uh, my co-founder and uh, previously president of Coca-Cola West Africa, um, is now the CEO of Twiga, and I'm the executive director. 
um, and we're running the enterprise together. Uh, Twiga um, is, is, is Kenya's largest distributor of agricultural produce, about 2,500 shops a day buy off of our platform. Uh, we deliver to kiosks all around uh, Nairobi, and then we take their purchasing power to guarantee farmers' markets um, to, to make the agriculture sector um, more financeable and, and food secure and food safe uh, going forward. Um, and have benefited from TLCOM, DOB, who I know are here, and IFC, and AHL, um, and, a, and a number of uh, Africa's kind of emerging venture uh, capitalist funds. Hi, my name is Ken, um, CEO and co-founder of M-Survey. So because of Africa is very fragmented, meaning there's a lot of informal activity happening, it's about 66%. It's very difficult for businesses to understand who their customer is. So we created an integrated customer experience platform to make that possible. So a business can understand who their customer is within their business and outside their business. So creating a very, very unique one profile view of who their customer is. And that's what we do for banks, retail, and mobile operators across Africa. Really um, thankful for TLCOM, for Paco, and our other investors who are around in this room to support that scale across the continent. It's a very unified problem, and we think it's a very large problem that we are attacking. I guess Ken just had to thank his investors as well. <laughs> then I'd like to thank uh, <laughs> Africa Development Bank. Right, so Maurizio, uh, it was recently reported that the IFC is considering an equity investment of up to six million US dollars in Tide Africa Fund with the intention of backing tech-enabled startups in sub-Saharan Africa. How have the companies that you have backed tackled some of the major developmental challenges that Africa faces? Could you share some light? Uh, sure, so I think that first of all, it must be clear that our uh, intention, our mission is to fundamentally demonstrate that uh, you know, gravity works in Africa, commercial venture capital can work in Africa, right? So we don't have to have too many special twists around social impact and stuff, but the very nature of the enterprise can be a very powerful development tool. So there's no dichotomy between a development objective and creating very strong companies. In fact, uh, we believe that of the many tools to create development, the enterprise is one of those. Having said that, we fundamentally see technology as an engine of scaling uh, and therefore multiplying impact. And the nature of the opportunity is fundamentally of three types. One, there's more mobile phones than bank accounts, than people connected to the grid, et cetera. So there's a consumer gigantic market that is underserved, and technology can help us close that gap. Second is what Ken was alluding to, which is there's no information about consumers. And so if you apply traditional technology solution, enterprise software, you will find that it, they don't work in Africa because if you run a Google campaign in Nigeria, you will maybe hit five or 10% of the population. So you need a mobile platform. And so the second opportunity is to enable consumer facing companies to actually understand segment and serve better that underserved market. And the third opportunity is that there's many verticals. I think Twigger is one of those examples in the agriculture value chain, but there's logistics, there's so many that are fundamentally 
fairly inefficient and in many of them technology can actually bring efficiency, simplification and stuff. So I think that when you have DFIs, and IFC is one of many of the DFIs investing in a fund, uh, we don't really see a dichotomy between development and profitability and value generation because the fundamental thesis is to demonstrate that venture capital in Africa can deliver the same returns as the best uh, regions of global venture capital. Um. Robert, coming to you, the AFDB recently commenced implementation of VC fund investments with the European Investment Bank, aiming to enhance entrepreneurship and innovation across Africa by investing in intermediaries such as seed funds and various types of VC funds that invest in innovative startups and high growth SMEs in Africa. What do you see as your near-term objectives with this program? Well, building on what Mauricio was saying, I think there is a great opportunity right now in Africa for all sorts of businesses that apply technology to deliver services effectively and more efficiently and reaching out to the bottom of the pyramid uh, uh, population. So it's, it's hugely important. Uh, and there is a, the venture capital in itself is, is, a, is a very good vehicle to, to reach those companies and to assist them. However, venture capital is, is, is new in Africa. Uh, there are only a handful of funds that so far have managed to close successfully. So our role is to, to, uh, to promote the industry basically and to, uh, to become an anchor investor in a number of funds uh, and to also work together with other DFIs in particular to, uh, for them to come also to the table and to invest as well in, in the number of those funds. So TLCOM has successfully closed. We recently invested in Partic Africa Fund. They have successfully closed. Uh, we, we invested in uh, Africa Tech Ventures. They are not yet closed, and we strongly encourage other investors to come to the table for that investment as well. They are a very, very versed and an experienced team. Uh, but that goes to say that it's very important for us to work with, with other DFIs in particular at this stage uh, to, to select and to invest in the number of funds. Uh, we, we have a, at this stage a pipeline of five or so uh, funds that we are eyeing to invest in. They are not necessarily uh, private equity funds that would, be, that would call themselves uh, VC funds uh, and would invest series C, D and so on. They are actually funds that uh, would blend the type of investments that they do in seed, pre-seed funding, but also in series A, series B, to blend a bit the risk profile of the investments that they do, uh, but they are willing and able to take uh, risk and, uh, and, uh, and to, to also provide uh, funding to uh, really innovative uh, and, and deserving projects uh, in Africa. So that's, uh, that's how we intend to invest about 70 million euro over the, 18, over the next 18 months or so. Uh, and uh, together with other investors, uh, but that's our commitment. Uh, we are also setting up a lab, but maybe I won't uh, elaborate much on that now, but to work on the ecosystems basically in Africa. Okay, so um, Grant, coming to you. In November 2018, Trigger Foods announced that it had raised $10 million in an investment round led by IFC, TLCOM, and the Global Agriculture and Food Security Program. This follows a $10.3 million uh, Series A round in 2017 led by Wanda Capital. What are the primary uses to which this new funding will be put? Do you care to share with us? Yeah, so 
Agriculture has a problem on the continent where 96% is sold in, 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 in uh, we call mamambogas here, very small SME roadside shops. And this leads to a very fragmented retail space, um, which then leads to a fragmented wholesale space, leads to a fragmented transport space, leads to a fragmented farmer space, which is why the continent is almost entirely dependent on smallholder farmers. Uh, you'd be crazy right now to plant 50 acres of bananas in Kenya or plant 100 acres of potatoes or do anything at scale. But we also know, that with Twika's data, with the couple thousand farmers we work with, um, that our average 20 acre and above farmer gets seven times the yield per acre than our average smallholder farmer gets. So consumers are spending 45% of their income on food, and it's really not a mystery why. It's because the retail sector is really fragmented and our production sector is really inefficient. So we're using our, 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 our investment to aggregate as many retailers as possible uh, to purchase on a daily basis so that those numbers become predictable, so that we know we need to buy 100 tons of bananas a day, 100 tons of potatoes a day, and so down the line. And then can translate that purchasing power over to scaled um, producers um, to, to allow now that sector to work as it should. So we can allow uh, medium-scale farmers to access finance and management talent and capital to now bring down the cost of food uh, in urban areas and cities. So because it's not sustainable for, for our business or really anybody's business to have Kenyans spending 45% of their income on food, Nigerians spending 60% of their income on food, it's, it's eating the economy. So our capital is going to be getting more and more users on the platform and then leveraging finance uh, to create more and more production into the platform. Thank you. Um, Ken? I understand AIMSERV is looking to expand geographically after securing uh, up to what's, uh, after securing follow-up funding from uh, Propaco in January 2019, having already raised another $3.5 million uh, series A round led by TLCOM Capital last year. What are the major markets you'll be targeting and why? And if I could add on to that a second question. Strong domestic companies can sometimes find it difficult to adapt their business models to succeed in foreign markets. How will M Survey adapt to establish a foothold in the new regional markets that it plans to enter? Great question. Um, I think for us, it's a very interesting um, dynamic. And the reason I say interesting, the problem we solve is uniform across the continent, meaning that Africa's fragmented, right? There's a lot of transactions that are happening informally, and people don't have visibility to those transactions, which are contributing to the overall GDP. So we like to say, you know, by understanding the consumer is inherently understanding how to push the economy forward, right? And we solve that problem across Africa. And if you look at, you know, look at our portfolio companies from banks, mobile operators to retail, that's pretty stretches across um, the continent. Now for us, I mean, you know, from an integrated customer experience, we are mobile first, so we're capturing the behavior of consumers on the continent meaning that folks are interacting, whether it's a topping up your mobile phone with credit, whether it's um, paying by M-Pesa, whether it's even just getting a bank alert. We're pretty much wrapping into that whole ecosystem to make it easy for a business 
to really transform themselves into a digital business. And when I say digital business, understanding and quantifying who their customer is internally and externally to know exactly how much money are they likely to lose from that customer for the very first time. So you're thinking of an African business able to understand their customer, understand the value proposition that the customer offers to that business, and understanding exactly if I don't service that customer properly, they're about to churn. So I think all these things, you know, for us, it's, very, it's a very attractive market because it's a uniform problem across the continent. I hope that answered the question. Sufficiently, great. sufficient. <laughs> now, Maurizio, um, you've got a great mix of investors, DFIs and non-DFIs. Um, largely, it's said across the world that Africa is good for aid. And we had a conversation about this earlier, and the question yeah. is going to come to everyone else, but yeah. I'm going to start with you. But you also of the school of thought, I believe that it's good for aid, but it's also great for business. And great for business in the sense of, in fact, I should just let you continue because I'm, I'm about to start taking your words away from you. Yeah. Could you just expatiate on that? Yeah. No, I think that uh, actually has been good for it for too long, right? So it's time to switch. Uh, and I think everybody in this room is trying to contribute to the effort of actually uh, making a very attractive for investment and for African entrepreneurs and African investors and African teams to take hold and a grip on their destiny. So I think we, we, we must see ourselves at, at the service of the African entrepreneurs to generate a lot of value. I think we wouldn't be doing this here because it's so much easier to do it in Tel Aviv or Palo Alto or London. So the reason why we're all here is because we are passionate about the fact that there's a big byproduct of what we're doing, which is job creation, which is better uh, conditions for, you know, you take Twiga and now thousands of vendors and farmers have better lives. You take M-Survey and now thousands of companies and SMEs have a better understanding of consumers. So, uh, but I think that it's a matter of emphasis. It's a matter of priority. So we've been very clear to all of our LPs, private and DFIs, that our star is value generation. So this is an experiment in using private capital, DFI capital, to show that Africa can generate world-class venture capital returns. And so as you do that, value generation in our book, in our experience, it only comes from great businesses, from great business fundamentals. So if we see companies that actually have an ability to actually serve big markets successfully, the question that we ask is always, if everything works, how big can this be? We never ask the question, what can go wrong? Because the honest answer to the question at our stage is that pretty much everything can go wrong. But the thing that we need to build is a portfolio of companies that, if everything works, are really big. And because we will lose some companies, we want to be left with companies that deliver 10, 20 times return. So we're not afraid of saying that what we're pursuing is portfolio of companies that generate exceptional return. And guess what? When you pursue very high return, you also are confronting very high risk. So I think that uh, there's no conflict between the DFIs and the private investors when we talk to them. They all want to see a successful venture capital industry. They all want to see that the model of commercial venture capital works in Africa. And if that works, then a lot of the development objectives are coming along as a byproduct. Thank you. 
I was actually going to have everybody else on the panel answer that question, but I just looked at the time, and we have other questions, and I don't want the audience to miss that. Now, Robert, um, what, what sort of advice would you give aspiring VC fund managers seeking to successfully raise a fund, particularly in the tech space? Okay, well, I think I can still build on the on the same previous question because it's, 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 it comes back to the same issue, I guess. A, a VC fund manager needs to be a great entrepreneur too. Uh, needs to have very strong entrepreneurial skills and needs to be a very strong manager. Uh, and those are not necessarily the two same skills, but they have to combine that in the, in the same fund structure. Uh, the, the entrepreneur is able to identify numerous opportunities uh, that of which they will have to be very selective and pick the few best opportunities out there that they will ultimately invest in. Uh, we often get uh, fund managers approaching us and they say, here, we have a deal flow of uh, 10 enterprises, 30 million, 40 million, are you ready to fund us? And, and, and if it's a VC fund, then we tell them, well, sorry, go back and once you have a, a pipeline of 500 or, or 1,000 uh, uh, pipeline deals, then you're ready to come back to us. That's the nature of the VC industry. So VC fund managers need to have the entrepreneurial instinct to develop a great pipeline and to pick the winners out of that that they will ultimately be willing to fund. And they have to have the managerial skills to, to support those enterprises, uh, the strong networks, they have to have the connections in, in the value chain with international companies, with other companies that can assist those, that those uh, VC uh, deals to grow and to flourish. And that will determine also the added value that they can provide to those companies, which in turn will, will determine the entry price, which is very important because if they overpay at the entry, then of course the, the, the realizations at the exit are much reduced and, and they wouldn't add value to the investors. So in essence, they need to, they need to put money on the table themselves. To, uh, we, pref we prefer fund managers don't charge too much of fund, fund management fees, but rather they earn it with the carry, particularly the partners. So that shows a strong commitment from their end. And uh, so basically they need to blend all those skills and show that to us. And uh, if they can uh, demonstrate a strong pitch, then uh, we'll be ready to, to fund them. Right. And now let's, let's talk about talent. Uh, and I'm coming to you, Kenfield. Um, there's no gain saying that there's a correlation between having great talent working in the company, its ability to attract that talent, and the success and profitability of that company. Now, my question is, how have you been able to attract and keep good talent, bearing in mind the competition in the space within which you operate? Um, I think if you look at traditional, let's look at Silicon um, Valley. I mean, it's a hyper-competitive market, right, for talent. And if you think about, I mean, like Trigger and myself, we're competing for talent as well, right? So I think it's just creating that whole ecosystem that you have opportunity, right, to create that talent pool, right? Because for instance, you know, we're, we're solving untraditional problems, right? And we, we need that talent to solve and look at these problems in a non-traditional way. So problem solvers are the thing that we look at, right? So constantly challenging talent with new problems I think that's the way, you know, because people, people want to actually be valued at the company. And I think for us, it's actually 
being able to feed them that new challenge for them to be valued in solving the bigger vision. And I think really just articulating and you know telling them that this is a really huge problem. I think that's um, I think that's our core of attracting talent. And I don't know about um, um, here on Twitter side, <laughs> Grant. Talent. Yeah, please, Grant. Yeah. So, talent. Um, I try to be a nice guy, uh, pay well, and give people compelling problems. Um, and uh, Twiga, we're now around 500 people, and I'm the only non-Kenyan on the, on the team. And we've done a really great job of recruiting return diaspora from across the world who want to come and tackle a, a, a giant problem that they grew up with in a lot of cases um, that their families are used to dealing with. Um, but also trying to give them the same workplace experience they would have anywhere else in the world here in, 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 in Kenya. Um, and it's, it's, it's worked out. It's not nearly as much of a bottleneck as, as, as investors tend to ask me about um, when, when people come around. If, if I can say, I mean, I think that when you're mentioning that correlation, the correlation is there. I mean, if I think about, you know, these are all private companies, so the numbers are are, are uh, not public, but what I can say is that actually, since we invested in M-Survey a year ago and in Twitter seven or eight months ago, both companies have fundamentally doubled or more than doubled their revenue run rate. And this is because they operate in big market, because they're great companies, but also because it's about having the people that can actually execute on that. Right. Um, I promised Pasquale that we were going to keep to time. And I got an indication now that we have another five minutes. So I want to give the audience an opportunity to actually ask questions if they have any. And if they don't, perhaps we can take one more question. So Q&A, anyone? I guess we can take one more. Um, and I believe this is probably my final question. So Marita, I'm coming back to you again. You've invested in a number of tech-enabled startups mm -hmm. in Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, what would you say is the key element to success in this space? Would it be the business model or innovation? I, I think we're seeing that um, you know there must be a, there must be a, a great market, a company that is capable of capturing that market opportunity and investment terms that make sense. You can have a great company, a great market, but it can be a terrible investment. So I think all three must be aligned. When it comes to the company, what we have observed is uh, that mostly the innovation is in the business model. I mean, we don't see a lot of new technology in Africa, which also brings the notion that there's a much more limited technology risk compared to other uh, to other regions. I mean, there's a lot of new code being written but on existing protocols, right? So the big innovation is that you have African entrepreneurs that are familiar with the big problems and that fundamentally innovate on the business model side, leveraging mostly existing technology. That is what I would see is the pattern across all of the investments that we've made. So final question from somebody on the side of the portfolio companies, and going back to M-Survey now. The nature of your business provides you with first-hand information on consumer uh, behavior, so to speak. How have you been able to connect with consumers in less developed areas? I think, um, I think 
because of less developed areas, the nature of Africa is, it's a bed for innovation. And you, we're a mobile first company, right? And mobile first meaning that you have a penetration of mobile phones in Kenya over 85, 90%, right? So you're, you're reaching the most rural person in Kenya. And more specific, you're reaching the most rural person that buys your device, buys your toothpaste, buys your soap. Right, so these are consumers that are contributing to the overall GDP, but you have no access to them. So for the very first time, we're giving you that access to understand that consumer inherently to make a decision around that consumer. Right, because at the end, because you're looking at what's driving your bottom line and where those consumers are so I can meet them. And for us, it's, I mean, you know, these markets are attractive because of the mobile, mobile um, penetration. Right. We are integrated to mobile operators. That's our key partnerships for scale across the continent. And because of that, you're reaching millions, billions of people um, overnight once you connect it. Right. Um, in, for the last year, we've been interacting with over 12 million consumers in Kenya alone. Right. So that gives you the scale and the magnitude of reaching people from the very, very rural parts of Kenya. And the mobile first is a key entry point for that. On that note, um, I want to thank all my panelists and I want to thank you all, the audience. Thank you very much for listening and I hope it's been insightful. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about the African Private Equity and Venture Capital Association, please visit avca-africa.org.